Section 8 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas, and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. In the meantime, the fire slackened, and at twelve o'clock it died away entirely. But the plaza was strewed with dead. Dense masses choked up the streets, and at the corners of the plaza, the soldiers, with gross ribaldry and jests, insulted and jeered at Morazan and his men. The firing ceased only from want of ammunition, Carrera's stock having been left in Morazan's possession. Carrera, in his eagerness to renew the attack, sat down to make cartridges with his own hands. The house of Mr. Hall, the British vice Consul, was on one side of the plaza, Mr. Chatfield, the consul-general, was at Esquintla, about twelve leagues distant, when intelligence was received of Morazan's invasion. He mounted his horse, rode up to the city, and hoisted the English flag on Mr. Hall's house, to Morazan's soldiers the most conspicuous object on the plaza. Carrera himself was hardly more obnoxious to them than Mr. Chatfield. A picket of soldiers was stationed on the roof of the house, commanding the plaza on the one side and the courtyard on the other. Orellana, the former minister of war, was on the roof and cut into the staff with his sword, but desisted on a remonstrance from the courtyard that it was the house of the vice-consul. At sundown the immense mass of Indians who now crowded the city fell on their knees and set up the salve or hymn to the virgin orellana and others of morazan's officers had let themselves down into the courtyard and were at the moment taking chocolate in mr hall's house mrs hall a spanish lady of the city asked orellana why he did not fall to his knees and he answered in jest that he was afraid his own soldiers on the roof would take him for a cachereco and shoot him but it is said that to morazan the noise of this immense chorus of voices was appalling bringing home to him a consciousness of the immense force assembled to crush him and for the first time he expressed his sense of the danger they were in the prayer was followed by a tremulous burst of viva la religion viva carrera y muera el general morazan and the firing commenced more sharply than before it was returned from the plaza and for several hours continued without intermission at two o'clock in the morning morazan made a desperate effort to cut his way out of the plaza but was driven back behind the parapets the plaza was strewed with dead Forty of his oldest officers and his eldest son were killed. And at three o'clock he stationed three hundred men on three corners of the plaza, directed them to open a brisk fire, threw all the powder into the fountain, and while attention was directed to these points, sallied by the other and left them to their fate. I state this on the authority of the Guatemala official account of the battle. Of course, I heard nothing of it at Aguachapa, and if true, it is a blot on Morazan's character as a soldier and as a man. 
he escaped from the city with five hundred men and strewing the road with wounded and dead at twelve o'clock arrived at the antigua here he was urged to proclaim martial law and make another attack on the city but he answered no blood enough had been shed he entered the cabildo and it is said wrote a letter to carrera recommending the prisoners to mercy and baron Magellan, the french consul-general related to me an anecdote which does not however seem probable that he laid his glove on the table and requested the alcalde to give it to carrera as a challenge and explain its meaning from that place he continued his retreat by the coast until i met him at aguachapa in the meantime carrera's soldiers poured into the plaza with a tremendous feu de joie and kept up a terrible firing in the air till daylight then they commenced searching for fugitives and a general massacre took place colonel arias lying on the ground with one of his eyes out was bayoneted to death perez was shot mariscal concealed under the cathedral was dragged out and shot padilla the son of the widow at aguachapa found on the ground while begging a centralist whom he knew to save him was killed with bayonets the unhappy fugitives were brought into the plaza two three five and ten at a time carrera stood pointing with his finger to this man and that and every one that he indicated was removed a few paces from him and shot major jose viera and several of the soldiers on the roof of mr hall's house let themselves down into the courtyard and carrera sent for all who had taken refuge there viera was taking chocolate with the family and gave mrs hall a purse of doubloons and a pistol to take care of for him they were delivered up with a recommendation to mercy particularly in behalf of viera but a few moments after mr skinner entered the house and said that he saw viera's body in the plaza mr hall could not believe it and walked round the corner but a few paces from his own door and saw him lying on his back dead in this scene of massacre the padre zezena a poor and humble priest exposed his own life to save his fellow beings throwing himself on his knees before carrera he implored him to spare the unhappy prisoners exclaiming they are christians like ourselves and by his importunities and prayers induced carrera to desist from murder and send the wretched captives to prison carrera and his indians had the whole danger and the whole glory of defending the city the citizens who had most at stake took no part in it the members of the government most deeply compromised fled or remained shut up in their houses it would be hard to analyze the feelings with which they straggled out to gaze upon the scene of horror in the streets and in the plaza and saw on the ground the well-known faces and mangled bodies of the leaders of the liberal party there was one overpowering sense of escape from immense danger and the feeling of the central government burst out in its official bulletin eternal glory to the invincible chief general carrera and the valiant troops under his command 
in the morning as at the moment of our arrival this subject was uppermost in every one's mind and no one could talk of anything else and each one had something new to communicate in our first walk through the streets our attention was directed to the localities and everywhere we saw marks of the battle vagabond soldiers accosted us begging medios pointing their muskets at our heads to show how they shot the enemy and boasting how many they had killed these fellows made me feel uncomfortable and i was not singular but if there was a man who had a mixture of uncomfortable and comfortable feelings it was my friend the captain he was for morazan had left la union to join his expedition left san salvador to pay him a visit at guatemala and partake of the festivities of his triumph and left aguachapa because his trunks had gone on before ever since his arrival in the country he had been accustomed to hear carrera spoken of as a robber and assassin and the noblesse of guatemala ridiculed and all at once he found himself in a hornet's nest he now heard morazan denounced as a tyrant his officers as a set of cutthroats banded together to assassinate personal enemies rob churches and kill priests they had met the fate they deserved and the universal sentiment was so perish the enemies of guatemala the captain had received a timely caution his story that morazan would have killed every man of figueroa's if the horses had not been so tired had circulated it was considered very partial and special inquiries were made as to who that captain was he was compelled to listen and assent or say nothing on the road he was an excessively loud talker spoke the language perfectly with his admirable arms and horse equipments always made a dashing entree into a village and was called muy valiente very brave but here he was a subdued man attracting a great deal of attention but without any of the eclat which had attended him on the road and feeling that he was an object of suspicion and distrust but he had one consolation that nothing could take away he had not been in the battle or to use his own expression he might now be lying on the ground with his face upward in the afternoon unexpectedly mr catherwood arrived he had passed a month at the antigua and had just returned from a second visit to copan and had also explored other ruins of which mention will be made hereafter in our joy at meeting we tumbled into each other's arms and in the very first moment resolved not to separate again while in that distracted country chapter seven ruins of quirigua visit to them los amates pyramidal structure a colossal head an altar a collection of monuments statues character of the ruins a lost city purchasing a ruined city to recur for a moment to mr catherwood 
who during my absence had not been idle on reaching guatemala the first time from copan i made it my business to inquire particularly for ruins i did not meet a single person who had ever visited those of copan and but few who took any interest whatever in the antiquities of the country but fortunately a few days after my arrival don carlos mene a jamaica englishman long resident in the country proprietor of a large hacienda and extensively engaged in mining operations made one of his regular business visits to the capital besides a thorough acquaintance with all that concerned his own immediate pursuits this gentleman possessed much general information respecting the country and a curiosity which circumstances had never permitted him to gratify in regard to antiquities and he told me of the ruins of quirigua on the montagua river near encuentros the place at which we slept the second night after crossing the mico mountain he had never seen them and i hardly believed it possible they could exist for at that place we had made special inquiries for the ruins of copan and were not informed of any others i became satisfied however that don carlos was a man who did not speak at random they were on the estate of senor pais a gentleman of guatemala lately deceased he had heard of them from senor pais and had taken such interest in the subject as to inquire for and obtain the details of particular monuments three sons of senor pais had succeeded to his estate and at my request don carlos called with me upon them neither of the sons had ever seen the ruins or even visited the estate it was an immense tract of wild land which had come into their father's hands many years before for a mere trifle he had visited it once and they too had heard him speak of these ruins lately the spirit of speculation had reached that country and from its fertility and position on the bank of a navigable river contiguous to the ocean the tract had been made the subject of a prospectus to be sold on shares in england the prospectus set forth the great natural advantages of the location and the inducements held out to emigrants in terms and phrases that might have issued from a laboratory in new york before the crash the senores pais were in the first stage of anticipated wealth and talked in the familiar strains of city builders at home they were roused by the prospect of any indirect addition to the value of their real estate told me that two of them were then making arrangements to visit the tract and immediately proposed that i should accompany them mr catherwood on his road from copan had fallen in with a person at chiquimula who told him of such ruins with the addition that colonel galindo was then at work among them being in the neighborhood he had some idea of going to visit them but being much worn with his labors at copan and knowing that the story was untrue as regarded colonel galindo whom he knew to be in a different section of the country he was incredulous as to the whole we had some doubt whether they would repay the labor but as there was no occasion for him to accompany me to san salvador it was agreed that during my absence he should with the senores pais go to quirigua 
which he accordingly did. The reader must go back to Encuentros, the place at which we slept the second night of our arrival in the country. From this place they embarked in a canoe about twenty-five feet long and four broad, dug out of the trunk of a mahogany tree, and descending two hours, disembarked at Los Amates near El Pozo, on the main road from Isabal to Guatemala, the place at which we breakfasted the second morning of our arrival in the country, and where the Senores Pais were obliged to wait two or three days. The place was a miserable collection of huts, scant of provisions, and the people drank a muddy water at their doors, rather than take the trouble of going to the river. On a fine morning, after a heavy rain, they set off for the ruins. After a ride of about half an hour, over an execrable road, they again reached the Amates. The village was pleasantly situated on the bank of the river, and elevated about thirty feet. The river was here about two hundred feet wide, and fordable in every part except a few deep holes. Generally it did not exceed three feet in depth, and in many places was not so deep, but below it was said to be navigable to the sea for boats not drawing more than three feet water. They embarked in two canoes dug out of cedar trees, and proceeded down the river for a couple of miles, where they took on board a negro man named Juan Lima and his two wives. This black scoundrel, as Mr. C. marks him down in his notebook, was to be their guide. They then proceeded two or three miles further, and stopped at a rancho on the left side of the river, and passing through two cornfields, entered a forest of large cedar and mahogany trees. The path was exceedingly soft and wet, and covered with decayed leaves, and the heat very great. Continuing through the forest toward the northeast, in three-quarters of an hour they reached the foot of a pyramidal structure like those at Copan, with the steps in some places perfect. They ascended to the top, about twenty-five feet, and descending by steps on the other side, at a short distance beyond, came to a colossal head, two yards in diameter, almost buried by an enormous tree, and covered with moss. Near it was a large altar, so covered with moss that it was impossible to make anything out of it. The two are within an enclosure. Retracing their steps across the pyramidal structure, and proceeding to the north about three or four hundred yards, they reached a collection of monuments of the same general character with those at Copan, but twice or three times as high. The first is about twenty feet high, five feet six inches on two sides, and two feet eight on the other two. The front represents the figure of a man well preserved, the back that of a woman much defaced. The sides are covered with hieroglyphics in good preservation, but in low relief and of exactly the same style as those at Copan. Another, represented in the engraving, is twenty-three feet out of the ground, with figures of men on the front and back, and hieroglyphics in low relief on the sides, and surrounded by a base projecting fifteen or sixteen feet from it. At a short distance, standing in the same position as regards the points of the compass, is an obelisk or carved stone 
twenty-six feet out of the ground and probably six or eight feet under which is represented in the engraving opposite it is leaning twelve feet two inches out of the perpendicular and seems ready to fall which is probably prevented only by a tree that has grown up against it and the large stones around the base the side toward the ground represents the figure of a man very perfect and finely sculptured the upper side seemed the same but was so hidden by vegetation as to make it somewhat uncertain the other two contain hieroglyphics in low relief in size and sculpture this is the finest of the whole a statue ten feet high is lying on the ground covered with moss and herbage and another about the same size lies with its face upward there are four others erect about twelve feet high but not in a very good state of preservation and several altars so covered with herbage that it was difficult to ascertain their exact form one of them is round and situated on a small elevation within a circle formed by a wall of stones in the centre of the circle reached by descending very narrow steps is a large round stone with the side sculptured in hieroglyphics covered with vegetation and supported on what seemed to be two colossal heads these are all at the foot of a pyramidal wall near each other and in the vicinity of a creek that empties into the montagua besides these they counted thirteen fragments and doubtless many others may yet be discovered at some distance from them is another monument nine feet out of ground and probably two or three under with the figure of a woman on the front and back and the two sides richly ornamented but without hieroglyphics the next day the negro promised to show mr c eleven square columns higher than any he had seen standing in a row at the foot of a mountain but after dragging him three hours through the mud mr c found by the compass that he was constantly changing his direction and as the man was armed with pistols notoriously a bad fellow and indignant at the owners of the land for coming down to look after their squatters mr c became suspicious of him and insisted upon returning the pais were engaged with their own affairs and having no one to assist him mr catherwood was unable to make any thorough exploration or any complete drawings the general character of these ruins is the same as at copan the monuments are much larger but they are sculptured in lower relief less rich in design and more faded and worn probably being of a much older date of one thing there is no doubt a large city once stood there its name is lost its history unknown and except for a notice taken from mr c's notes and inserted by the senores pais in a guatemala paper after the visit which found its way to this country and europe no account of its existence has ever before been published for centuries it has lain as completely buried as if covered with the lava of vesuvius every traveller from isabal to guatemala has passed within three hours of it we ourselves had done the same and yet there it lay like the rock-built city of edom unvisited 
unsought and utterly unknown the morning after mr c returned i called upon senor pais the only one of the brothers then in guatemala and opened a negotiation for the purchase of these ruins besides their entire newness and immense interest as an unexplored field of antiquarian research the monuments were but about a mile from the river the ground was level to the bank and the river from that place was navigable the city might be transported bodily and set up in new york i expressly stated and my reason for doing so will be obvious that i was acting in this matter on my own account that it was entirely a personal affair but senor pais would consider me acting for my government and said what i am sure he meant that if his family was as it had been once they would be proud to present the whole to the united states in that country they were not appreciated and he would be happy to contribute to the cause of science in ours but they were impoverished by the convulsions of the country and at all events he could give me no answer till his brothers returned who were expected in two or three days unfortunately as i believe for both of us senor pais consulted with the french consul-general who put an exaggerated value upon the ruins referring him to the expenditure of several hundred thousand dollars by the french government in transporting one of the obelisks of luxor from thebes to paris probably before the speculating scheme referred to the owners would have been glad to sell the whole tract consisting of more than fifty thousand acres with everything on it known and unknown for a few thousand dollars i was anxious to visit them myself and learn with more certainty the possibility of their removal but was afraid of increasing the extravagance of his notions his brothers did not arrive and one of them unfortunately died on the road i had not the government for paymaster it might be necessary to throw up the purchase on account of the cost of removal and i left an offer with mr savage the result of which is still uncertain but i trust that when these pages reach the hands of the reader two of the largest monuments will be on their way to this city chapter eight reception at the government house the captain in trouble a change of character arrangements for journey to palenque arrest of the captain his release visit from a countryman dangers in prospect last stroll through the suburbs hospital and cemetery of san juan de dios fearful state of the country last interview with carrera departure from guatemala a don quixote ciudad vieja plain of el vieja volcanoes plains and villages san andres isapa dangerous road a molina the next day i called upon the chief of the state at this time there was no question of presenting credentials and i was received by him and all gentlemen connected with him without any distrust or suspicion and more as one identified with them in feelings and interests than as a foreign agent i had seen more of their country than any one present 
and spoke of its extraordinary beauty and fertility its volcanoes and mountains the great canal which might make it known to all the civilized world and its immense resources if they would let the sword rest and be at peace among themselves some of the remarks in these pages will perhaps be considered harsh and a poor return for the kindness shown to me my predilections were in favor of the liberal party as well because they sustained the federation as because they gave me a chance for a government but i have a warm feeling toward many of the leading members of the central party if i speak harshly it is of their public and political character only and if i have given offence i regret it as i was leaving the government house a gentleman followed me and asked me who that captain was that had accompanied me adding what surprised me not a little that the government had advices of his travelling with me from la union his intention to join morazan's expedition and his change of purpose in consequence of meeting morazan defeated on the road that as yet he was not molested only because he was staying at my house i was disturbed by this communication i was open to the imputation of taking advantage of my official character to harbor a partisan i was the only friend the captain had and of course determined to stand by him but he was not only an object of suspicion but actually known for much less cause men were imprisoned and shot in case of any outbreak my house would not be a protection it was best to avoid any excitement and to have an understanding at once with this view i returned to the chief of the state and mentioned the circumstances under which we had travelled together with the addition that as to myself i would have taken a much more questionable companion rather than travel alone and as to the captain if he had happened to be thrown ashore on their coast he would very likely have taken a campaign on their side that he was not on his way to join the expedition when we met morazan and assured him most earnestly that now he understood better the other side of the question and i would answer for his keeping quiet don rivera paz as i felt well assured was desirous to allay rather than create excitement in the city received my communication in the best spirit possible and said the captain had better present himself to the government i returned to my house and found the captain alone already by no means pleased with the turn of his fortunes my communication did not relieve him but he accompanied me to the government house i could hardly persuade myself that he was the same man whose dashing appearance on the road had often made the women whisper muy valiente and whose answer to all intimations of danger was that a man can only die once to be sure the soldiers in the corridor seemed to intimate that they had found him out the gentleman in the room surveyed him from head to foot as if taking notes for an advertisement of his person and their looks appeared to say they would know him when they met him again on horseback and with a fair field the captain would have defied the whole noblesse of guatemala but 
he was completely cowed spoke only when he was spoken to and walked out with less effrontery than i supposed possible and now i would fain let the reader sit down and enjoy himself quietly in guatemala but i cannot the place did not admit of it i could not conceal from myself that the federal government was broken up there was not the least prospect of its ever being restored nor for a long time to come of any other being organized in its stead under these circumstances i did not consider myself justified in remaining any longer in the country i was perfectly useless for all the purposes of my mission and made a formal return to the authorities of washington in effect quotes, after diligent search no government found End of section 8